Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn, and I am excited to have Dr. Cubit here with us again today. Hi, Katie. I am glad to be back. We get to talk a little bit about gastric ulcers today. Um, this is something that I think a lot of horse owners might be familiar with. And as we go into this, Dr. Cubit, what can you share with our listeners as we get started in on this topic today? Uh, good question, Katie. So what I just want everybody to know when you're trying to work with any kind of problem with your horse, whether it be nutrition related or gastric ulcers or, or whatever the issue is, we can read a lot on the internet and we can listen to podcasts, but ultimately you need to work directly with your veterinarian and whoever your on-site nutritionist is. Um, and you can get a hold of me. I can be that for you because they're going to know exactly what's going on in your facility with your horse. Everything that we talk about and specifically the things that I talk about, um, they're more generalized. And so what is going to work specifically for your horse might be slightly different. So just know that anytime you read or hear anything on the internet. Perfect. And so as we get into how we can reduce the risk of gastric ulcers in horses with your specialty nutrition, can you share with listeners just a few of the, the common different types of ulcers that horses can get? So there are really only two different types of ulcers, um, and it really comes down to location where they occur. So there's gastric ulcers. Sometimes we call those stomach ulcers because they occur in the stomach of the horse. And then there are hindgut ulcers, which occur in the large colon, small colon cecum that's considered the hindgut of the horse. Uh, we're going to focus today on gastric ulcers, so stomach ulcers, and Within the stomach, if you imagine the stomach is a kidney bean shape and then the esophagus comes in top and the small intestine goes out the bottom, the top part of the stomach we call the non-glandular or squamous region. Then there is a line called the margo placatus and right below that line is what we call the glandular region. And so we can get ulcers right above that margo placatus into the squamous or non-glandular section, and we call those squamous ulcers. If they're in the bottom section and you get a, a scope from your veterinarian and it says glandular ulcers, it means that they're in the bottom part of the stomach. And then there's also pyloric ulcers. So there's a thing called the pyloric sphincter, which opens the stomach into the small intestine. And right on that area there in the bottom part of the stomach, as it goes into the small intestine, we can get ulcers there as well. And they would be called pyloric ulcers. Interesting. So of those ones, which ones tend to be more common in horses? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the squamous ulcers are the most common because something about that, when I give talks and I talk about the design of the stomach, I call the top part of the stomach, the non-protected region. And that's the squamous region above that margo placatus. And the bottom part, which is called the glandular region, I call that the protected region of the stomach. 
because there is a mucus coating on that bottom section of the stomach that protects that tissue from acid that is constantly being secreted. So it's got to be pretty strong acid or pretty severe for us to get those glandular or pyloric ulcers, but it is actually very, very easy for us to develop, for horses to develop those squamous ulcers which are in that non-protected region in the top of the stomach. So I would probably say that the squamous ulcers are the most common. That makes a lot of sense. And you were actually reading my mind as you were saying that, because I was thinking if the bottom part of the stomach does have kind of that protective layer of it, they've got to have some severe acid to be able to, to kind of push through and break through that protection layer. Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So just how prevalent are gastric ulcers in horses? You know, I've talked to a lot of um, people that do equine insurance and looked at a lot of studies. Equine gastric ulcers are the most common ailment in horses today because of the way we manage them. You know, we've completely changed their natural way of being and their natural way was constantly grazing. And if you understand how the gastrointestinal work system works, especially the stomach portion, you know, that acid in the bottom of the stomach is being constantly secreted because a horse is meant to be constantly grazing. And so we have, you know, put him in stalls, increased his stress, meal feeding him. We have changed everything we do with horses. Horses. So gastric ulcers are the most prevalent problem that we see in our modern horses. Right. And so I, I heard you touch on a, a few things like being stalled and a meal feeding. Can you go a little bit further into additional causes of gastric ulcers just so people kind of have an idea? Yeah, um, meal feeding, uh, like I mentioned, but also on top of that, not feeding enough forage. Because remember, horses are meant to be grazing animals, so that acid is continually being secreted. And when you feed, when a horse chews, they produce saliva, which has enzymes in it that help to buffer that stomach acid. But they also swallow that forage. And that is just going to help dilute that stomach acid. But that fiber will also form a physical mat, which will sit on top of the acid and stop it from splashing up into that non-protected region. Um, so not feeding enough hay or forage, stress and stress in horses comes from every different avenue. It could be change in weather. It can be change in environment. It could be trailering, riding. I mean, there's so many things that stress horses out. Um Meal feeding them, like I said, feeding really high carbohydrate diets in, in large quantities. Uh, these are some of the things that really increase our risk for gastric ulcers. Right. So what are some of the most common symptoms or clinical signs of a horse that is suffering from gastric ulcers? You know, there are certain things that will change in a horse. And first thing is usually their behavior. They go from being a happy, quiet horse to now having a significant behavior change where they're more aggressive and grumpy. They might be kicking or biting at their sides, which can also be a sign of colic. Um, you might be, especially when you get on your horse, when you're doing up the girth, some people will call it cinchy because some people call the girth the cinch. And when you're doing up that girth, it's putting pressure on the stomach and causing pain. So they really won't like that. They'll try to move away from it. They might even kick at it. Um, when you're riding and you go to put your leg on, they don't want to move forward because, again, it's painful. So these are all kind of behavioral changes. But then you just look at the physical horse. Um, 
Maybe they'll go off their feed or some horses will continue to eat, but they just don't seem to be gaining any weight or their hair coat gets a little rough and they just all around aren't doing well. A lot of times, though, they just uh, will lose weight and unexpectedly. So there are some of the signs of of gastric ulcers. And just like we've talked about in previous episodes, you always talk about just the importance of, you know, knowing what's normal for your horse. So you can be able to identify when something is abnormal and Mm -hmm. any of those behavioral changes can definitely be a factor there that if it's not an, you know, an activity or something that they normally do. Exactly, exactly. So it's really important that you know what is normal for your horse so that when they're not normal, you can start to put your finger on it and say, hmm, it's pain coming from somewhere. Is it gastric ulcers? Is it skeletal? Is it muscular? Um, do they have an abscess in their foot? You know, so. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned it because we did have some listeners. They had some questions about this topic. And one of them did ask about, you know, quote unquote, is a cinchy horse a sign that they may have developed ulcers? Another one that came in was, is licking a sign of ulcers? You know, and the licking one is interesting because licking can be a sign of submission, but it also can be a sign of a pain response. So it could certainly, if you link it to, if you think "Mm, they're licking, they also don't like it when I do the girth up or they don't like me brushing over their flank. If there are some other things that you connect to it, then we could probably say "Mm, there's pain associated to gastric ulcers. But if it's just licking and... Uh, maybe their foot, they don't like you picking out their hoof or it's only when you sit in the saddle. I mean, any other, there might be a whole slew of other things. It could be a sign that there's pain somewhere else in the body. So um, it potentially could be a sign, but not alone by itself with nothing else. Right. So are there any maybe not so obvious symptoms that we should watch for that people don't always think about, but definitely kind of like you mentioned, could be a part of that puzzle where you just piece things together and be like, hmm, that could also be a contributing symptom. You know, some horses are just really good, just like some people handle pain a lot better than others. Some horses you um, have very minor ulcers and you'd think by the way they've changed their behavior that they have, you know, terrible ulcers and uh, vice versa. Some horses might have just, you know, gone off their grain a little bit or not be performing as well. And then we scope them and find out they've got terrible ulcers. But that really leads into the only way to truly tell if your horse has gastric ulcers and to tell the severity is to do a scope. So your vet will come and do a nasogastric scope. They'll put a camera down into their stomach and actually look around and they'll be able to look at all the different parts of the stomach and they will be able to tell you whether your horse has gastric ulcers. And then we have a scoring system um, for those gastric ulcers so we can rank them. I think it's one to four, um, grade one being the, the least severe and grade four being the most severe. And they can tell you kind of the severity of those ulcers. It's also really good when you're treating those ulcers with a medication or you're using different supplements to try and mitigate the negative effects that you have a scope and some pictures to start with so that in a week or two, we can take another picture and see, have any management changes, have any feeding changes, have any of the medications actually been helping my horse? Right. And I'm glad that you mentioned 
that the only true way to identify if a horse has gastric ulcers is by being scoped because kind of perusing, being on social media and things like that. You know, we talk about symptoms all the time. Um, Some horse owners don't necessarily know that that's the only true way to know if they have ulcers or not. And so it's really important that, you know, if you feel like your horse might have gastric ulcers to connect with your veterinarian and get that done just to either cross it off or be like, yeah, this is what's going on and we need to figure out a way to get our horse back to being more comfortable and back to normal. Absolutely. And like with the licking one, okay, well, the horse is licking and maybe he's got some other discomfort signs, but we could buy all kinds of remedies for gastric ulcers and then be really upset six weeks down the track when nothing's working, then we get a a scope and like, oh, well, the horse doesn't have any gastric ulcers. So we've just spent six weeks wasting our time and money when we should have been looking at something else that's wrong with the horse. Right. And it's horses are an expensive hobby to begin with. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes, they are. So are there any particular breeds of horses or types of equines that are more likely to get gastric ulcers? Or is it actually just more related to activity and stress and things like that? You know, I get that question a lot. And my first response is no, it's not necessarily the breed of the horse. But if you say stress is a big factor in horses developing gastric ulcers, there just are some horses in some breeds that are a little more high strung Um, And a little bit more susceptible to stress. So potentially they're, you know, an Arabian, for example, might be at higher risk because a a lot of them can be a little bit more high strung and stress can affect them. But really it's more about the management of the horse and how intensely we're trailering and stabling and exercising. And are we as owners or keepers of these horses doing everything we can to mitigate ulcers with our management. So we might have an Olympic level horse that's living in stalls and he's traveling around the world and he's exercising heavily, but we are making sure that he's always got forage in front of him. We're using alfalfa because it's high in calcium. I know these things we'll get to later on, but we're doing everything we can to keep his stress down and and mitigate some of these problems. So it's more about management versus breed. Right. And when we talked a little bit about prevalence before, it's quite common in especially race horses and then a lot of show horses and foals. Sometimes they can have issues with gastric ulcers. Yeah. And that's interesting because I I was just reading about foals with gastritis, which is gastric ulcers. This is inflammation in that uh, stomach lining. And the paper was looking at, it's very common for young foals to get transient ulcers. And they were looking at it around weaning because weaning is so stressful. And it was either whether you were weaning them into stalls by themselves or weaning them into paddocks with buddies. And they all had the same degree of ulcers, but it was more the differentiation came how quickly they recovered from the ulcers. And the horses that were living in the paddocks with their buddies, um, so decreased the stress faster and they could chew on, on grass, they actually got over their gastritis or gastric ulcers a lot faster than the little ones that were in stalls by themselves. So I thought that was interesting. 
That is super interesting. So just having that distraction, just like with our own kids, right? Mm -hmm, Sometimes when mm -hmm. you're on the verge of a meltdown and um, the secret weapon of a distraction can just really save, save your butt sometimes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I know, like you mentioned, we are going to get a little bit deeper into some of, especially like forage types and things like that as we move forward. But let's talk about some tips, overall general tips for preventing and managing gastric ulcers um, by way of nutrition or management. Yeah. And I'll go out on a limb and say with these horses that are exercising heavily and living in stalls and, you know, race horses, for example, I am not going to guarantee that you can prevent them altogether. But with management, because there's things that you just can't change in those horses' lives, but can we keep them at a manageable level where they're not causing so much pain that they're changing the horse's behavior or their ability to gain weight or their performance um, in, the, in the show ring or on the track? And I think that's what we can do. And, you know, it all comes back to what is normal for horses grazing continually is normal for horses. That is their own way, their natural way of dealing with this acid, which is there for a reason, and it's there to break down food. So when you think about that and you think about managing your horse, continually feeding them forage. And if, you th if I say that to you and you think, well, I've got a little fat pony and if I continually feed him forage, then he's going to turn into the Goodyear blimp. Then it comes down to what is the correct forage that I can feed most continually throughout the day. And for a lot of our horses that are easy keepers or overweight, it's a hay that doesn't have as much calories. So you're looking at something like a Tef hay. Um, lower in calories and those sugars and starches so it's not gonna it's just gonna be something for them to chew on um when we get into the types of forage that are best to use therapeutically then we're leaning towards alfalfa because it's high in calcium and the calcium buffers that stomach acid but i can't feed alfalfa 100% to my fat pony because it's also very high in calories and it's going to make him fat and just give us a whole another problem. So um, some horses can eat 100% alfalfa, but oftentimes in the case of ulcers, we use alfalfa as a supplement and use it therapeutically um, to mitigate some of that acid that's building up in the stomach. Decreasing stress, um, and if you have a horse that's really, say that your horse is next to the feed room and every time you walk into the feed room, they're pouring and they're hanging their head over the fence thinking, oh, I'm going to get fed, I'm going to get fed. How about moving that horse to the end of the barn where there's a little less activity and put a more low-key horse in that stall, um, not riding them first or last so that they're anticipating what's going on or they're nervous about going out first. Some horses like to have a buddy. I mean endless the things you can do, but it really stems around feeding them continually forage and decreasing their stress. That's great. By just being very observational about your horse and their normal behaviors and how they handle stress or even normal everyday activities, that's that's a really good way to look at it with just those those helpful hints. And I think that anybody listening in can kind of apply that to their personal experience with their horses and be like, okay, what are some behaviors that I'm noticing in my horses that you know, it's, it seems like they're getting stressed out. How can I remove that stress? So that's very good information. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and talking about some tips for 
you know, minimizing the risk of getting gastric ulcers. We had some questions that we heard from listeners about a few things that may or may not help with gastric ulcers. So let's talk about aloe vera juice. Does that help with gastric ulcers? Okay. Um, The premise behind, because all of these remedies usually start with a good idea. And so the idea behind aloe vera is we've all had a sunburn and put aloe vera on and it's gooey and mucousy. So remember I was telling you about how the stomach was designed and the bottom part, that protected region has that mucus coating. The idea with aloe vera is you feed it to the horse and it kind of coats the bottom part of the stomach and it stops that acid from penetrating into that tissue. The unfortunate thing is that it washes away very quickly. So unless your horse has constantly got a milkshake of aloe vera that they're drinking 24-7, it's really not that uh, useful, unfortunately. That makes sense. And then another listener was asking about what about giving corn oil or corn syrup to help prevent or heal ulcers? Um, You know, in the back of my mind, I want to say that there was... Um, a research paper at one point that specifically looked at corn oil versus other oils. I'm going to make a blanket statement and saying feeding high fat feeds that are lower in sugars and starches um, and high fat is going to come from our oils. That is going to in itself decrease the risk or incidence of gastric ulcers. But if we're actually looking at is there something in corn oil itself, I would I, th- I think, I, I, well, I would have to get back to you, but I think that there was a study showing that corn oil had some minor benefits on uh, gastric ulcers. We can even add this into the notes. We can add it to the notes, yes. Yep. At the end, um, we'll come back and see if we can find that research and we'll note that in the, the notes of this episode. So- yes, because in general, I would tell you that don't feed corn oil to your horses here, I, you know, the, the benefits of Google. I would generally say don't feed corn oil to horses because it is high in omega-6 fatty acids, which increase your inflammatory response. So if we think about gastric ulcers just being um, inflamed tissue, then it kind of goes against that you would feed corn oil. But there was one study. Now, I will say that we like to, before I'll kind of back something, I want to see multiple studies on it so that it's repeatable and it wasn't just a random event. But there was one study back in 2004 published in the Journal of Veterinary Internal Medicine that said a small amount of corn oil, it was about three tablespoons, resulted in slightly less gastric acid. Um, and it was something to do with, you know, prostaglandin, you know, all these hormone releases. But I'm going to say that corn oil itself probably has a lot of other negative effects on your horse that I think there's a lot better things out there to help mitigate gastric ulcers. But your your listener is not 100% wrong. There was one study, but I think there's better things that we can use. Right. And so, and you talked about that. You mentioned alfalfa, which thinking about 
they're both corn oil and alfalfa are both high in calories. So if you're dealing with the same issue of high caloric intake, I mean, you're going to want to avoid corn oil in general anyway. But if that's not really an issue still, alfalfa, you mentioned that the calcium level in alfalfa can be very beneficial in kind of protecting the stomach from that acid that jumps up and gets all around the stomach. There was a study that you've talked about previously when we chat about gastric ulcers. What was that study about? So a lot of the original work done on gastric ulcers, um, it was actually a master's thesis done by Libert, I think is how you say her name, down at Texas A&M. And they looked at yearling horses um, exercising. So they were putting them under stress and they fed them a coastal Bermuda grass hay versus alfalfa and noted that the horses that were eating alfalfa had less ulcers and less severe ulcers than the horses eating coastal Bermuda grass hay. So that kind of was the kind of the beginning. Um, uh, there was also Jennifer Nadeau did a lot of research in alfalfa. So there's a lot of research that has been done on alfalfa and its benefits in mitigating some of that acid when it comes to gastric ulcers. And it's really because alfalfa is very high in calcium. And that calcium, if we could take ourselves all the way back to high school biochemistry or chemistry, and you think about acids, bases, and neutral in the, mortar, in the middle. So water is in the middle. You think about an acid like vinegar or lemon juice or hydrochloric acid, and it's going to burn a hole in your skin. And then on the other end, we have our bases like soap or ammonia, and calcium is, is basic. If you put a basic in with an acid you neutralize and you get closer to the middle. So that's what we're doing. When we take calcium, which is basic, and we put it in to the acid in the stomach, it neutralizes the pH and it brings it closer to a um, less strong acid, closer back to above a four or a five on the pH scale, which is not causing damage to that, that tissue. Just the acid in the horse's stomach by itself with no saliva buffering it with no food, just on a fasted horse, the acid sits between a one and a two. So the strongest acid you can get is a one. So the stomach acid sits between a one and a two, but that's not where it's supposed to sit, right? Because remember, the horse is meant to be grazing. And so where it's naturally supposed to sit, the pH of the stomach, its environment itself is above a four. So if whatever we're doing can get the pH of the stomach to above a pH of four, um, between a four and a seven, then that's ideal. That's buffered and it's not going to cause any damage to that tissue. When it goes below a four, that's when we have issues with it kind of burning into the tissue. Right. Okay. And so we did have a listener asking about, is it true that alfalfa changes the pH in the gut and is good for gastric ulcer prevention and treatment? So 100%. Yes. Right. So it's the calcium part of the alfalfa that's doing that. Yes. To neutralize the acid. Mm -hmm. The calcium is neutralizing like I said, the pH, but it's also the act of chewing, which you could get with any hay, is producing the saliva, and then any hay also will sit as a mat, but it's the calcium in alfalfa 100% that's buffering that pH. Right, and then you have touched on it briefly, 
But talking about saliva, how important is saliva in minimizing that acid? Well, all around. I mean, saliva is really critical. It's the first thing it's going to do is mix with that food and that chewing, mixing with saliva we call mastication. And then the horse has got to be able to swallow that so it doesn't choke. And the saliva helps lubricate the throat. But then when it gets down into the stomach, it's got enzymes in it that help to buffer that stomach acid as well. So you think about the amount of chews or the um, jaw sweeps, we call it in in research, that it takes to grind something up before they're going to swallow it. Long stem hay animals will take a lot more time to chew, so therefore producing a lot more saliva versus a pelleted or cubed type of forage. I know that pellets and cubes have a place, but when we're trying to do our best to decrease gastric ulcers, if possible, we're going to try and put long stem hay in because they're going to chew it more. And unless you're in a situation where you have a horse that maybe is, doesn't have great teeth, it's a senior horse. Correct. That really, yes. they rely, they need the fiber. And so that's the way that we've come up with finding a solution for them. But for other horses, a 100% pellet or cube diet would probably not be ideal for them. It's not ideal, but then we also have to, you know, get hit with the reality stick and, For a lot of our listeners, it's just not realistic or practical for them to buy baled alfalfa. Um, It is more convenient for them, especially if they're using alfalfa therapeutically, to just go to the local retailer and buy a a bag of alfalfa pellets or alfalfa cubes is still great. It's just, if we look at perfect world, what is the perfect scenario? We'd like to use long stem alfalfa. It's not always practical. And so pellets or cubes are going to work great too. And I think that's what's so, so great about innovation and moving forward is looking at ways to make you know, whether it's horse or horse owners' lives easier and just finding these convenient options, basically giving people choices to make it work with their situation. I think that's, it's great that we have those solutions. Exactly. Because we can have all of the fantastic research in the world, but if it's not doable by our horse owners or horse caregivers, then they're not going to do it. And so then it's a waste. So we have to be realistic and find ways. And and that's why I said at the very beginning, be cautious of what you hear and read on the internet, because every single scenario is different. And what worked for somebody may not work for you. Um, so anyway. Absolutely. Another thing that came up from some of our, our listeners They talked about that there's conflicting opinions. This is what they said. Feed before you ride. Wait 30 minutes after feeding to ride. Wait one to three hours even. Allow a horse to eat hay while grooming and tacking to ride. So there's so many conflicting opinions around when you feed a horse or when you don't feed a horse. Tell us what is beneficial for horses when it comes to trying to mitigate gastric ulcers. This is what I do and I and what I recommend based on how I know that gastric ulcers develop and and kind of how the digestive system is supposed to work. What we do is we'll try to add in some alfalfa hay or frequent hay feeding, but when it comes to riding, the issue is when you exercise your horse, the abdominal muscles engage and they squeeze the stomach 
and they put, it's an amazing amount of pressure on the stomach. As you walk, trot, can or go uphill, it all, it increases the pressure that's being pushed onto the stomach. And when you do that, you're squeezing the stomach and you're actually squeezing all that gastric juice in the bottom that's full of acid up into that non-protected region. And when you're jumping or galloping, we can also have what we call the splash effect. So it's not just only getting squeezed up, but it's actually splashing up onto that top part of the stomach. So what I recommend is while you're tacking up in that 30 minutes while you're putting the bridle and saddle and everything on, give them a handful of alfalfa pellets, cubes, or long stem hay, whatever you have available to you. We do this a lot in the thoroughbred industry when horses are getting ready to, to train on the track is we we recommend the grooms give them a couple of handfuls of alfalfa pellets because it's going to give instantaneous it happens within a few minutes the buffering in that stomach acid um it's going to form a mat and it's producing that saliva so it's pretty much instantaneous buffering of that stomach acid so that when we're exercising them and we're squeezing on that stomach or it's splashing up it's dilute and it's not causing any problems so i would say 30 minutes prior to exercise Give them some alfalfa of any form and that's going to be ideal. So it's not like, you know, you're saying, hey, go give your horse a no, full meal no. before you go and ride it. It's just give it a little bit to kind of help buffer that stomach acid. Absolutely. Excellent. And then from, I know, you know, obviously at the Stanley, we do a lot of forage, but we're talking about everything when it comes to nutrition and horses, because it's all relevant So from a concentrate or grain perspective, how do we properly feed those types of products to horses who do have gastric ulcers or maybe they had them and now it's like, okay, we we don't want them to become chronic and come back. Sure, sure. So with most of our performance horses that don't do exercise at speed, we can switch them more to a high fat, high fiber type diet uh, and that's going to help. But let's say the racehorse. He has to eat a lot of sugars and starches. Otherwise, he's going to be slow. He needs those sugars and starches for that quick release energy. What we do is we feed small meals often. So I might feed four or five meals a day of one to three pounds. So over the whole day, they're getting quite a bit of grain, but I'm splitting it up into small meals. So I'm not eliciting huge gastric acid release at any one time. So that's how I go about getting around it. You you just feed small meals often, which also is the most efficient way for a horse to eat. Because remember, they're meant to be grazing. They're meant to have a small amount of food constantly tr- trickling through the digestive system. So, you know, off the topic of gastric ulcers, if you talk about putting weight on a horse, first thing I do is not increase the amount that they're eating. It's let's split up into smaller meals the amount that they're currently eating and see if we can get them to be more efficient with what they're actually eating. So you can see it all comes back to having a pretty good understanding of how things are supposed to work and maximizing that. Yeah, it sounds like it's just good best practices there. And then, so you talked about splitting them into smaller meals more frequently. Are there any particular ingredients or things to be avoided Or is it just more about how and the way that they're actually fed? If we can avoid those high sugar starch meals and go more with fats and fibers, then that is ideal. But like I said, racehorse can't eat a bunch of fat and fiber or he's going to be a hunter. Mm -hmm. Are there any supplements that help horses after they have gastric ulcers? Um, There are 
no supplements legally allowed to make any claims with regard to gastric ulcers. With regard to gastric health, then we can uh, utilize supplements that have calcium and different forms of calcium. And then there's different ingredients like L-glutamine, whey protein, um, butyric acid that might help with intestinal health. But when it comes to the treatment of gastric ulcers, there are your gastrogard and ulcergard are the only FDA approved medications. And they're the only supplements slash drugs that can make any claims about gastric ulcers and their treatment. And then for a horse who has had gastric ulcers and they're being treated, what is the best way to prevent new ulcers from kind of popping up after that treatment is complete? So you use your your medication and you have the scope, you use your medication according to your veterinarian's recommendations and you scope again and we've seen a significant decrease or an elimination of those gastric ulcers and we want to move forward and try to avoid it going forward. Um, We look at the management plan and before he was in a stall and he was being fed hay twice a day and he was next to the feed room and that was stressing him out. So all of the things that I have talked about, we're going to try and fix all of those. We're going to get him a buddy or he's going to live, he's going to be turned out. I mean, one of the best things you can do for horses is turn them out. So turning them out for more than 12 hours a day, if it's possible, can just have such amazing benefits on your horse. Um, Feeding small meals more frequently, make sure he's got hay to eat all the time. Uh, I don't want a horse to go longer than two to three hours without something to chew on. Uh, And that kind of timeline comes from some research that was done at uh, Virginia Tech looking at the pH in the stomach over a 24-hour period when you take food away. And within an hour of all of the food, uh, hay and grain being taken away, the gastric acid went from that normal, like above a four, dropped down to between a one and a two. And by 18 hours, the horses had ble- bleeding lesions. And uh, but by s- just six hours, there was already reddening and inflammation in that tissue lining. So I don't like horses to, once you've already seeing it, we know that there's a lot that's been going on under the surface. So I don't like horses to not have something to eat for more than two to three hours. So then we're using the sl- slow feed hay options, um, those kinds of things. If you can only feed alfalfa once a day, when is the most practical time to feed it? If we can feed it, Um, I always recommend doing it at night. So we're going to give our little handful before we exercise. But if we can actually give some at a meal and we can only do it at one meal, when would you do it? The night seems to be the longest period between checks So maybe they're getting fed at seven o'clock at night and nobody comes back till seven o'clock in the morning. If we can give them some alfalfa at that meal, that's going to just extend the buffering capacity uh, a little longer. That's good. After having this conversation with you, it really sounds like probably the most valuable tip that you can give our listeners on how to mitigate gastric ulcers is basically just giving horses the ability to eat as often throughout the day as you can. Exactly. Give them the opportunity to be horses and to look after themselves the way they were designed to. Right. And we've, we've done another episode on this more specifically, but for those horses that 
you know, do not have access to pasture or limited time on pasture, but you, you don't know how to get them so they don't just chow down on their food and then have nothing else to eat. You've talked about previous like slow feeders, slow feeding nets and things like that. So there are ways to kind of draw out that feeding time. Yep, absolutely. And then I want to try to get to, we have some common questions that we have heard from either our listeners or social media followers about gastric ulcers in general. And so I want to try to see how many that we can get to, but One of them that came through was, how come nowadays so many are diagnosed with ulcers? Is it actually more prevalent today? Or did we know just know less like 30 years ago? Um, I think if you look at the management of horses over from 30 years ago to now, it's completely different. 30 years ago, we didn't travel as far. Um, We weren't doing as intense exercise and horses didn't live as much in stalls. I mean, we had certainly more pasture turnout for our horses that being said, we do now have more, uh, much better ways of diagnosing them, and it's less guesswork and more. I, I can act, you know, I can scope a horse and know exactly what's going on. So I think it's a bit of both. I think that the incidence of gastric ulcers has increased over the years due to our management of horses changing, but I also think we just know more now too. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, another question that came through, and I'm I'm almost certain that. This person is thinking from a a human perspective, but can horses actually have reflux? No. um, As far as regurgitating up into their esophagus and getting what we would call reflux or heartburn, no, because there's a... So when I go back to the visual, shut your eyes and imagine the horse's stomach being that kidney bean shape and the esophagus coming in the top. There's a sphincter there that opens and allows food to go in, but it's only a one-way valve. So food can't come back out or acid or anything, can't come back out of the stomach up into the esophagus. So No, it just hangs out there in the stomach and has a heyday there. Yeah. (laughs) And burns. Yeah. Okay. Another one that came through. So Two years ago, this person's mare had gastric and intestinal ulcers. Um, I was training for endurance rides. How can I safely train again? Hmm. Um, I think, again, this is, especially with endurance rides, then your checkpoints during the ride become really important because for those that aren't that familiar with endurance rides they'll have stops um mandatory stops where they'll water the horses and do vet checks and maybe feed them some these in the really long endurance rides so at those points it becomes really important that you're you know utilizing alfalfa and and making sure they're drinking plenty of water but as far as the gastric ulcers i would 100 percent be feeding alfalfa prior to every time I got on the horse because it sounds like if it was the increased exercise that was the contributing factor then it's more that splash effect so feeding before you're exercising is going to be very very important okay and then another one that came through can certain medications cause ulcers uh, yeah that's a great question and bute or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs if you feed them too long they'll actually wear away at that mucus coating on the bottom of the stomach and so allow that tissue to be attacked by the acid in the stomach. So we don't want to feed bute or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs for too long, you know, short-term, veterinary recommended. 
it, it's good, but don't feed it for too long because it'll increase your risk for gastric ulcers. If you have to, make sure you're adding alfalfa to the diet. Make sure you're potentially doing gastrogod or ulcergod and complement with those uh, medications. And another question, we get rescues that are a body score of one. We see a lot of them not eating, being diagnosed with ulcers. What can we do to help? Well, alfalfa in this case is twofold. You know, when you have horses that come in uh, that are rescued with a body score of one, one of the big things that we get concerned about is refeeding syndrome. So you just want to feed them and feed them, but you've got to be very careful because you can actually cause them to have a heart attack if you just feed them whatever you want. So alfalfa is, there's a, a great protocol of alfalfa feeding um, that came out of UC Davis that we do to combat refeeding syndrome in those rescue horses, but then also the alfalfa is going to be helpful with the gastric ulcers. I mean, these rescues are plagued with a number of different problems, and of course they've got ulcers because they haven't been eating anything. Right. Yeah, just like what you talked about, how bad it is for a horse when they just don't have any anything moving through the digestive system for a long, long period of time like that. Yeah. Exactly. And you see them start to chew wood. When these rescue cases and you go to those barns, depending on the length of time that they haven't had anything to eat, you will see a lot of wood chewing, a lot of fence chewing, um, because they're just trying to create some saliva and buffer that stomach acid. So they're chewing anything they can find. Yeah. It's sad. I'm glad we have people that kind of help to work, work with those horses in a safe manner to get them back to, to where they need to be. So uh, another question, can I ride my horse when they're healing from gastric ulcers? Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most horses just have gastric ulcers all the time. And so our goal is to try and decrease their severity. There are a lot of performance horses, though, that you're just never going to be able to make them 100% go away. So yes, you can ride your horse while they're healing. Okay. And I know we've, we've covered so much in this episode today, a lot of great information. I have one more question that we will go ahead and, and fit in here. But this person says, I have an easy keeper who struggles with recurring gastric ulcers. If alfalfa has too high calories, how can I feed my horse to help minimize those ulcers? And this is a great question because it's very common that this is the scenario. And so in this case, I would recommend that you have hay. Maybe you're using TEF or you're using a low-carb, low-calorie hay, and they have that to chew on pretty much all the time and you're using slow feed hay nets or, or feeder options to try and stretch it out so it's mimicking that grazing behavior and sometimes we can still use a little bit of alfalfa therapeutically at mealtime but if the horse really is too fat and we don't want to use alfalfa you may lean towards one of the um, nutritional supplements that is high in calcium um, that is going to help you get the benefit that you were getting from the alfalfa, the calcium to help buffer that stomach acid, but it's not going to supply you with too many calories. Those are some great suggestions. Thank you so much, Dr. Cubitt. Um, and with that, like I said, I feel like we covered such great information in this episode, and I really hope that anybody who has either dealt with gastric ulcers with any of their horses, or maybe, you know, just has horses and they're 
just wanting to prevent or reduce that risk of getting gastric ulcers in the first place. I really hope that they found some benefit in this episode. So as a reminder, please feel free to give us a review on on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback. You can email us at podcasts at stanleyforage.com. And other than that, Dr. Cubitt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.